This is the Life Church Podcast. Amen. Well, we are today kicking off a brand new series we're calling Eight Hills. Now, when, uh, when I first pitched the idea for the series, we have a creative team that meets every Wednesday in the afternoon, and we talk about you know, what, what we're going to be talking about over the next six, eight weeks or so. And uh, I, I pitched this idea of uh, this series. My first title for the series was Eight Hills that, you will, that We Should Die On or something like that. And can you imagine there's like four or five other people in the room and we're all, and I pitched this idea, eight hills that we should all die on or that we, we should die on. And they looked at me with this blank stare like, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's like morbid. Are we going to teach people how to die? What's going on? You know? And so we tweaked it, worked on it. And we finally called, reduced it down to the title of eight hills, eight hills. And then the subtext is some things are worth dying for. And so in this series, what we're going to be talking about over the next eight weeks is our values here at Life Church. You've probably gone onto our website. You've probably seen it on our website, or maybe you've seen it in print somewhere. Now you can see it in the lobby. As you walk in, you'll see there's eight posters down the hallway in the lobby. Those are the eight values that we have here at Life Church. We're going to be talking about that. Those are the things that we're passionate about. I mean, in many ways, it's a way of us saying, this is who we are. This is us. This is us. These are the things that we're passionate about. These are the things that maybe we are willing to die for, right? And they're not just mushy, sentimental ideals. That's not, that, I mean, oftentimes values can be that, just these mushy, sentimental ideals, but that's not what it is for us. That's why we didn't call it a series, we didn't call it values, eight hills that we're willing to die on. It's something that we're living out, right? It's how this Life Church community uniquely applies biblical truth and lives it out in an everyday way. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next eight weeks. When I was uh, preparing for this uh, series, uh, for this particular message, I was thinking about one of my missionary heroes, a guy by the name of Jim Elliott. Maybe you've heard of Jim Elliott. He was a, a missionary to the Alka Indians in, uh, in the 1950s in South America and uh, had committed his life to doing that. He and a bunch of others had committed their lives to actually going and reaching this tribe and, and bringing the good news of Jesus Christ. And Jim Elliott, unfortunately, in, you know, in a, at a very young age, he was only 29 years old, he ended up dying at the end of a spear as he was trying to bring the gospel to the Alcas there in, in, in Ecuador. He died on a, on a, on a river bank there, um, trying to bring Jesus to these people. Now, you would think, man, he was, he was only 29 years old. This is crazy. How could, he, how could this happen? And the fact is, if you, if you look at Jim Elliott's life prior to that, everybody was hailing him. This guy, is a, he's brilliant. He, 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 he could do anything. He's going to change the world for good. That's how he was viewed. And yet, his life was cut short at the age of 29. And you would think, you can easily think, that was a waste. You easily think that, wow, what, you know, maybe he should have done something different. Maybe he should have gone a different way. But if you read his journal, you'll find that he's, he prepared himself for this. Eight years earlier, or seven years earlier, sorry, eight years earlier, when he was 21, he wrote in his journal, he was at, at Wheaton, Illinois, at a college there, Wheaton, and he was... Um, he was in a time of prayer and devotion, and as he was reflecting on God's word, he penned these words. 
And these are words that are actually in every one of my Bibles. Every Bible, new Bible I've received, I write these words in. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jamelia was committed to that ideal. And I know it sounds like a, a, some words put together. What do they actually mean? He's saying, you're not foolish. You're, 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 you're wise to give up those things that you can't keep anyways. It's wise for you to not, not, to, to not try to live for things that are, that are temporary. It's wise for you to live for things that are eternal. And he made a decision early on in his life that, that that's what he was going to do. He made a decision that in life there are things worth living for and dying for. And he committed himself to that. And thus his life was cut short. That's really what this series is about. Not necessarily physical death. The Bible does call us to a, a death of sorts, of dying to ourself and surrendering completely to Christ. There are things in life that are worth giving our lives for. And we're going to be talking about that over the next several weeks. If you're new here to Life Church, have you been attending for just a few months? It's the perfect time for you to be here because you're going to get to hear the things about the things that we're passionate about, our values, and so forth. Amen. Um, so our first value that we're going to be talking about today of the eight is biblical truth. Biblical truth. Now it's not coincidental that it's our first value. It's not. It's not accidental that it's our first value. It's something that we, that we very intentionally put it as our first value. Now, let me clarify. This, is, this actually today should be kind of a part one of two. This is an eight-week series. We're going to talk about eight different values. But this should be part one of two because I see value number one and value number two as working hand in hand. Biblical truth along with God's love. And we, we'll, we'll get into God's love next week. But I just want you to keep that in mind as we go through this. Here's the value that we have as it's, as it's written. Biblical truth. The Bible presents a dangerous message, a dangerous message of life change. It's a dangerous message because when you surrender your life to Christ, when you surrender yourself to doing what he calls you to do to, and calls you how to live, it can be dangerous. Not necessarily physically dangerous, but it could definitely turn your life upside down and often for the good. The Bible presents a dangerous message of life change. We believe the Bible is God's inerrant truth. And it's the foundation of everything we do. That's how we live here. It starts with what God's word says. Now, you need to know something about me, though. When I talk about God's word, sometimes it can be interpreted that it's about belief, right? I put little stock in how much you know about the Bible, I, and I want you to know a lot about I want you to study this. I want you to know, if you have a chance, go study some Greek and Hebrew. That, that would even help you more. It's great. I would love for you to know the ins and outs of this book. But for me, it's much more about application. Don't tell me how much you know. Tell me how you're applying the stuff that you do know. How are you living it out? How are you fleshing it out? That's important to me. Show me, don't just tell me, show me how you live your faith, all right? Jesus talks about, about this in a very familiar parable that we're going to talk about today. In fact, it's a, this parable has been turned into a little song and has been taught in Sunday school, so maybe you learned it in Sunday school, the, the parable of the, the wise and foolish builder, man who built his house on a rock and man who built his house on a sand, remember that? So this parable comes at the end of one of Jesus' most Famous, longest sermons he's ever preached. It's a sermon on the mount. 
And you find that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus basically flips the tables. I mean, he does some really, he makes some pretty crazy pronouncements. And he always started out this way. You have heard it said, in other words, you have been taught about religion, you've been taught about faith this way, but then he followed up with, but I say unto you, and then he, inter- then he brought in a new idea, or actually a, 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 a better interpretation of what God really wants for humans, right? And these were some pretty radical ideas that he brought. I mean, very radical ideas. So he's got this crowd of people, they're listening and preaching, and he says things like this, when somebody angers you, when somebody, you know, offends you or hurts you or hits you, he says, turn the other cheek. Right? Now, that's not normal, right? Normal is, you know, hit them with an uppercut or something. That's normal. But Jesus says, look, I'm telling you to turn the other cheek. When you have been angered, you need to turn the other cheek. It's pretty radical stuff. He said, I want you to be extraordinarily generous. And then he kind of interprets it. When they ask something, you just give it to them. Again, this is, not, this is not normal human nature. We don't want to do that kind of stuff. And so these, these people, are, they're, they're listening to him. You know, they're writing. They're probably taking notes. You know, and then he comes to this one. He says, hey, <clears throat> I want you to forgive no matter what. To which are like, all right, forget this. I'm not taking any more notes. What are you talking about, Jesus? How can you forgive no matter what? Nobody does that. You've been hurt. You've been wounded so badly. How can I just forgive that person? It doesn't make any sense. Are you sure you know what you're talking about, Jesus? So it goes on. I want you to pursue pe- the people who have wronged you. Now, I know that sounds like normal, right? But it's backwards, Because the way we operate is when we've been wrong, we wait for them to come to us to ask for forgiveness. And Jesus says, no, no, no. If you've been wrong, you need to go to them and try to make things right. Pursue them. Settle the accounts. Make the relationship whole again. He goes on. I want you to treat everybody the way you want to be treated, which, okay, that's pretty normal stuff. Yeah, I want you to treat everybody the way you want to. We we get that. We feel connected to that. But then he adds a little caveat. He says, even your enemies. (laughs) Wait a minute. That, Jesus, are you sure about this? And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah. In fact, not only treat your enemies the way you want to be treated, but guess what? Pray for your enemies. At this point, people are like, forget it. I, there's, there's no way we can possibly do this. I mean, if, if I were that ethical, if I were that moral, if I were that generous, my life would be completely different. I would be a completely different human being. To which Jesus might say, that's the point. Right? So at the end of this sermon that Jesus preaches, the Sermon on the Mount, he basically follows it up. He brings his end cap to it with this parable, parable of the wise and foolish builder. And the point of the parable, I'm going to just give the point to, to you up front because I want you to be processing as we're talking about. Here's the point of the parable. The point of the parable is this. You will never regret organizing your life around the teachings of Jesus. You will never regret organizing your life around the teachings of Jesus. That's what this parable means. We'll talk about the parable in just a second. But you'll never regret organizing your life around the the, the, the teachings of Jesus, or that is God's word. You will never regret organizing your life 
around this book. That's why every Sunday morning we talk out of this book. Because we believe that if you organize your life around the teachings of this book, you'll never regret it. You never will. And that's why we have this value, our very first value of biblical truth. And as we're going to see in this parable, it's not because Jesus is trying to mess with you. It's not because he's trying to, to ruin your life. It's not because he's trying to make you feel like, hey, you know, so different from the rest of the world. It's because he loves you. Because he cares about you. He loves you too much. I'll let you just do whatever. He encourages us to organize. So let's look at Matthew chapter 7. Starting in verse 24, he says, Therefore, and this is the end of the sermon, okay? Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, the words he just spoke about, right? About generosity, about relationships, about, uh, you know, finances, divorce, remarriage, and all that kind of, all these things he just spoke about. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into what? What does it say? Practice. And puts them into practice. Okay, so you hear the words, and then you actually put them into practice. And this is so important. Because it's not just about hearing. It's not just about believing something. It's about actually doing something. It's about a lifestyle. Jesus invites you and I into a brand new kind of lifestyle. That's what he's inviting us into. It's not just about assenting, mental assent to something. It's not just saying, oh yeah, I believe that. My life doesn't look like it, but I certainly believe that. That's not what he's saying here. If you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, and he goes on, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And Jesus' way of saying, you're really, really smart. You're smart. You're wise because you have decided to organize your life around the teachings of Jesus. Now, when Jesus said, if you obey my words, it's like building your house on a rock, his audience are listening like, well, duh, Everybody should build their house on a rock, right? On a solid foundation. If you're building your personal home, would you build it on anything else but a solid foundation? Of course not. We all know it's common sense. All of us know that we want to build, all of us know that when you build a house, you build it on something that's solid, that's a solid foundation. So this audience is hearing, we're like, yeah, we know that. And that's what Jesus said, that's my point. So Jesus is going to tell a story of a guy who wants a, a house down by the beach. <laughs> and so he, he assesses a, where he's going to have his house, but he realizes that it's kind of sandy. So he moves up from the shore until he finds some solid ground, and there is where he erects his house. This was common knowledge to them. See, most parables are like that. They understood the stuff that was being talked about. They got it. But then Jesus would make this spiritual application out of it. So this guy wants to build a house, and he's going to build it on something solid, common knowledge. Everybody knows that, right? Everybody knows that it takes effort to build a house on something solid. A lot of effort. It's expensive. It's more expensive than just putting up something on the beach. When we were in Panama this past March, uh, we, 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 my, my wife and I, we went out to this uh, island and we stayed overnight and, and our houses were like, on the beach, like literally right, I could, the waves were like 20 feet away from me, you know? And consequently, our, our floor was sand. I wouldn't want to be there during a hurricane, okay? So it's wise, you move up to where it's solid to build your house, right? 
We, where, you know, where when things come, it's not going to shift. It's not going to fall. It's solid ground, right? So Jesus basically is comparing obedience to him to that of building a house. As you're building your house, you know, you're really, really smart that before you, you pick out all the pretty stuff, before you decide what's the cabinets that I want to have in my kitchen and, you know, what are the, you know, the bathroom fixtures I want to have in my bathroom and before you pick out the paint color, before you do any of that stuff, you establish the foundation. You make sure that it's solid and it's on solid footing. It's just plain old common sense and it's smart, Jesus says, to organize your life around his teachings. He goes on, verse 25. The rain came down, the streams rose, the water rose, so the water's coming down, it's starting to flood, the streams rose, and the winds blew, there's wind blowing, it beats against that house, yet it did not fall. It did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Listen, you don't need me to tell you that in life, it doesn't always go the way you expect it. In life, there will be trouble. Jesus promises that, promises us that there will be trouble. There will be trouble in life. As you go through life, you know what? People are going to break their promises to you. He's not going to be exactly what you expected him to be after, you know, a few years of marriage. Maybe. Hopefully not. She's not going to be exactly what you expected her to be after a few years of marriage. Your kids may do well. They may not do well. Your career may go great and your career may not go great. You may not have ever considered cancer to be a word in your, voc- your vocabulary, and yet you might find yourself having to deal with cancer. Life is life. It happens. And Jesus says, listen, I love you, and in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. When trouble comes and everything gets shaken, when the winds blow and they're beating up against that house, It doesn't matter how pretty the house looks. It doesn't matter whether the fixtures are made out of gold or not. What matters in that moment is the foundation. Is the foundation solid? Is the foundation on solid rock? So Jesus wants you to know that, right? You're going to have some marriage storms. You're going to have some financial storms. You're going to have some relationships. You're going to have some kid storms. I mean, you're going to have, you know, your kids may not do exactly what you wanted them to do. And you might struggle through that. You're going to have these storms in life. And so the question is, is your life built on a solid foundation? Because if if it is, then at the end of the day, you might lose a couple shingles, you might lose some shutters, but your house is going to stand. That's essentially what Jesus is saying in this parable. He's telling us that the best preparation that you can make for your future is to today organize your life around his teachings. That's the best thing you can do, right? And he goes on, he tells the other half of the, of the parable. So the first half of the parable is, hey, organize your life around my teachings. And if you do that, you'll never regret it. You never will. If you organize your life around my teachings, you will be, you'll be down the road. See, right now, perspective is an issue because sometimes we don't always have perspective right now about our future. We only have perspective of our life when we're in the future and we look back and we say, oh, oh, that's why. Ah, that makes sense. That's why that worked out. So Jesus wants to just warn us up front. He said, hey, organize your life around my teachings. And he goes on the other half of the parable. He says this, but everyone who hears these words of mine, so another group hears the words of Jesus and does not put them into practice. So both of them hear the words of Jesus. One puts them into practice. One does not put them into practice. 
is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Jesus calls us, calls us a fool if we decide to do our life, to do our marriage, to do our dating, to do our money, or whatever else we do, not heeding to his teachings, doing it our own way, right? And his audience, they're like, of course, right? No person, no person would want to build their one and only home, go down to the beach and put it right there on the sand, knowing that it could get washed away by the waves, knowing that it could get blown down by the storm. Nobody would do it. She's like, that. that's my point. It's foolish to do that. And yet it's what we do all the time. You see, obedience, not simply belief, is what makes all the practical difference in our lives. It's obedience. See, when you believe in Jesus, it connects you rock solid to God. But the outcome of your life, the outcome of your life has all to do with how you basically organize your life around his teachings and start living. And you'll do it imperfectly, right? You won't do it perfectly from day one. Sometimes you struggle, you wrestle through it, but you make a decision. God, I want to organize my life around your teachings. I want to follow you. I want to be obedient to you. Verse 27 says, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew. Same thing he says about the other guy. Winds blew and beat against that house. I mean, his point here is basically, it's the same rain, it's the same wind, it's the same you know, stream that's rising. It's the same for both of them, except one house stood and one house fell. And it all has to do with practicing what we know. Organizing our lives around his teachings. Like I said, we may do it imperfectly. Not today, just I hope you hear my heart. I'm not here to try to condemn you or make you feel guilty about maybe not doing exactly all that Jesus calls you to do. That's not the point. Next week, we're going to talk about God's love. We're going to see how we've been forgiven so, so much. So it's not, the, the point here is, is this. It's just we need to understand that God invites every one of us to organize our lives around his teachings to follow him, to be obedient to him. And as we do that, we will never regret it as we look down our, down our road. So this parable is going to strike, strike us all in one of three ways. It's either going to come to us as a, a comfort, you're going to be comforted by hearing the words of Jesus, or it's going to come to you as a warning. You're going to hear these words and you might say, uh-oh, i got to make some changes. Or it's going to come to you as an explanation. You'll hear it and I'm like, oh, that's why. Hmm. So it might come to you as a comfort because years ago you decided to organize your life around the teachings of Christ, around God's word. It changed the way, how, the way you handled money. It changed the way you dated. It changed the way you did your marriage. It changed the way you do you, you, you work. It affected your honesty, your integrity. It affected every area. In other words, every decision you were making, you were making considering what Jesus taught about those things. And that's how you've lived your life. So this parable should come to you as a comfort. In fact, it's Jesus' way of saying that you are smart. You made a wise, wise decision. You have a rock-solid foundation, and when the storms come, your, your house, your house is going to stand because you've been extraordinarily generous. You've just been generous. You decided to organize your life around what Jesus teaches about finances, and so you've decided to be generous. And when that financial bump hit, you can say with confidence, God, I have I committed myself years ago. I committed myself 
to be faithful in my giving, to be faithful with how I handle my finances, to not let greed overtake my heart. I have been committed to that, God. And you can say with confidence, God, I now know that you're going to take care of me. I don't know. Look, we're not prevented from having storms in our life. The point of this parable is not to say if you organize your life around his teachings, you'll never have storms. You'll never have financial bumps. You'll never, never have issues. That's not the point. The point is storms come to every single one of us. The point is that if we commit ourselves, surrender ourselves to Christ, that when the storms come, our house will stand. We may lose a few shingles. We may lose a few shutters, but our house will stand, right? Maybe you hit that relationship bump. You made a decision. No, I'm going to organize my life, my relationships around what you teach, Jesus. And so I've decided my dating life and my married life and my relationships with other people, God, I've decided to do it the way you teach me to do it. And so now I'm confident, Lord, that you're going to get me through this relational crisis that I have. So it comes to us as a, as a comfort. For others of you, it's going to come as a warning because maybe you're young. Maybe you're young in the faith. Maybe. Maybe you're just young generally, 25, 30 years old. Something that now 25, 30 is really young for me. <laughs> There was a time I used to say, man, I can't wait till I'm 25. Now, I wish, oh, no, I don't wish I was back 25. Um, but you're, you're, you're hearing this, and you might be saying, well, wait, Rich, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know about this. I mean, it seems like, it seems like there's, there's so much still life still ahead of me. But you need to understand, understand something. As a single person, you're laying a foundation for your future marriage. As a newly married person, you're laying a foundation for the rest of your married life. Right now, you, right now, you are laying a foundation. Right now, every one of us in this room, here's something I can say with confidence about every single one of us in this room. We are laying foundations right now. Every one of us. And that foundation is going to build something. Question is whether it stands or falls. Right now, you're laying a foundation for your future financial world. And if you lay that foundation contrary to what Jesus teaches, eventually the storm's going to come. It's not going to go well. Right? And it's not like Jesus is trying to tell you, I'm going to get you. I'm angry at you. Please hear me when I say this. Like I said, don't, you need to be here next week because you're going to see this paired together with God's love how he feels about this. There's two parts to this whole idea. He's not trying to hit you. He's not trying to ruin your life. I know the world out there is doing a lot of things their own way and doing it differently. And we look at that and we think, well, everybody else is doing it. Why did God, why do I have to do it this way? It's not, he's not trying to ruin your life. He just knows what your future entails. He knows what's best for you down the road. But I know most of us, and I believe me, I know this factually because it's happened in my office. I've heard in my office, how rich I, I love Jesus and all, and I really want to serve Jesus, but, but I, I just can't do that now. I know the Bible tells me I should do it, but I can't do that now. I have time. And you might say to yourself, I, I see the storm clouds, but I see a lot of blue sky still. <laughs> so, so I have time. That's the idea. I have time. I can't do this now. And I think Jesus would be like, whoa, 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 time out. Time out. You, you don't, your, your perspective of time is wrong. It's not like you're building a foundation. Today you make a decision and Thursday you're going to get your results. That's not how it works. 
You're building the foundation of your life. And unfortunately, this is a message that only makes sense when you've actually done this for a long time. And you can look back and you start realizing, oh, oh, that makes sense. You're building now a foundation for the rest of your life. So it just comes to you as a warning. He's like, hey, now you need to do this. Now you need to act. Regret doesn't, there's no benefit in regret, right? If you built a poorly laid foundation and there's this big crack and you've been watching that crack for years and you've been saying to yourself, I need to fix that. I need to get that foundation of mine repaired. And then the storms come and water is just gushing through that crack, standing there saying, man, I knew I needed to fix that. How beneficial is that? Now you guys aren't even hearing me, I think. Is that beneficial at all? Regret, regret does nothing to fix the problem, does it? It doesn't. So now is the time to act, right? For some of you, this is gonna come as an explanation because right now you're in the middle of a major life crisis. Right now, life might seem like it's falling apart and maybe you're here this morning and you're shaking your fist at God. God, why did you let this happen to me? God, why do you not love me? Why are you allowing this? You just need to know that God loves you, but this is happening not because God doesn't love you. This is happening because it's the consequences of a poorly laid foundation. Again, I'm not meaning here to condemn. It's not the idea. It's just an explanation of why and that's why at this point in life, oftentimes so many people after a divorce or after, you know, after some major financial crisis, they turn their life to Jesus because they realize that I've been building my house on something that's not going to stand. But just basically boils down to this. Who are you going to trust? That's really the message of the scriptures. The invitation in the Bible is for everyone of every human being to come to a place and say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I trust you more than I trust myself. Human nature is to put total trust in themselves and to keep at distance or skeptical anybody outside that might change the way I see how I should do my life. And Christ, the whole reason he died on the cross is so that you and I come to this place and say, I die to myself and I surrender my life completely to you. Jesus, I trust you implicitly with my life. I give my life completely over to you. So, this might be a warning for you today. And if it's a warning, if you're taking it as a warning, then really basically the bottom line is there's a choice to be made, a decision that needs to be made. For some of you, this is an explanation because right now you're in the middle of just a life crisis and you need God and desperately need God. And the cool thing about that is you can always rebuild the foundation in Christ. When you come to him and say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I am so sorry for everything that I've done. I'm so sorry. Even, even I was naive and I fell into this trap and I just did my own thing. And God, I'm so sorry for that. But I surrender now to you. He gives you and I the opportunity to start building a new foundation and to rebuild that house. Amen. Let's all stand. <clears throat> You can start today by organizing your life around the teachings of Jesus. It's a choice that needs to be made. It's a challenge that's set before us. 
you and I are invited to. Here's the thing. um, I'm just going to go ahead and end this service. um, Perspective. I know that some of you might be here right now. You're thinking, Rich, I don't see it. I I know the Bible talks about it, but I just don't see it. And maybe it's because it's an issue of perspective. Maybe you've just been new at this and you're not really, you haven't seen the fruit of having decided to organize your life around the teachings of Jesus. I know the first time I felt compelled by the Lord to tithe, for example, to give 10% of my income. I'm telling you, I held on to that. It was $10. That's all it was. I made $100 a week. It was $10. And I held on to that $10 bill like, like I can't let go of this thing. You know, I mean, I was, it was it was torture and I went I told I told everybody how how terrible it was to give up that $10 bill you know I mean I'm just like I I can't even go out to eat this week because I gave up that $10 bill you know and I was just wrestling through that but it came from a commitment to say God I want to I want to organize my life around what you teach and if you tell me that's what I should do I want to do that it's hard And so we will do it imperfectly as we're moving along. But now, with 36 years of perspective, I look back at that moment when I just put a $10 bill in, and I could write a $1,000 check now, or I can write whatever, and I know, I write it with a confidence that I know, God, you will take care of me because I've seen you do it over the years, every year throughout my life. By making that decision choice that we make to organize our life on the teachings of Jesus. Right now, some of you are needing to make that decision. Some of you need to make that decision. It might be simply the decision to say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. That was what happened for me. I'd given my life to Jesus, but I was one foot in and one foot out. I wanted the benefits of my old life, but I wanted the feel good of my new life. I was driving home one day on Interstate 20 in Dallas, Fort Worth area, working late night as security, listening to a song by a guy named Keith Green, and I just broke down in tears. Pulled my car over on the side of the highway on Interstate 20, and I just wept my eyes out to God, and it was at that moment that I said, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I want to organize my life around everything that you tell me I should do. I will trust you instead of trusting myself. It was a big decision back then, and I'd lived it out imperfectly for many years beyond that. But I look back now and I say, thank God for that moment when I pulled over on Interstate 20, 1981. So however long, 37 years ago, 1981 on Interstate 20, I said, Jesus, I surrendered all to you. I think some of you are here right now. You're at that point of crisis you're at that point of decision. God is inviting you and calling you to surrender your life to him. So I'm going to pray, and our prayer teams are here. If you're here this morning and you'd like to just simply surrender your life to Christ, they're here for that. They want to pray with you, right? If you're here and you're, you're like, it's, you know, it's an explanation to you. Yeah, Rich, I hear what you're saying now. I understand why what has happened to me has happened to me. But I want to build a new foundation. You have that opportunity as well. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness, for your grace, for your loving kindness. We thank you, Father, for the invitation because of your goodness, because of your love for us, the invitation 
to organize our lives around your teaching, to make a decision today to live totally for you, Jesus, to surrender our, our will, our desires, and replace them with your will and your desires for us. And today, Father, we commit ourselves to that. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the Life Church Podcast. 